the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Who are you? <laughs> How did you get here? Where are you going? What do you intend to do? Those are questions that were asked in a recent book I was reading that uh, that I just begun. It's this, the book is about the business of becoming a writer. One of my intentions for myself. The writer of this particular book is a woman named jo Jane Fred Friedman. She's a professor at UVA. She presents a no frills approach to this process, to the question of vocation. Who are you? How did you get here? And what do you intend to do? If you can answer those questions, you're likely to have a story to tell. Uh, if you have a story to tell, you're likely to have a life to live. If someone else answered those questions for you, told you who they thought you were, or what you should be doing, or what the future holds for you. They're living out their own story, but not you. Not the one you were created to live. As we become or come to the beginning of this new year, it's time to look back, to reflect on what we've accomplished in the past days, months, years. It's easy to go from task to task getting up in the morning, entering your day without awareness, accomplishing what has been expected, going to bed at night, not knowing if what you had done is what you were created for. Why are we here? Or are we just going through the motions? This past Sunday's Gospel, first Sunday after Epiphany, tells the story of Jesus' baptism. His cousin is out in the desert calling people to a message of repentance. I have six grandchildren that are between the ages of four and ten, and they are being raised by my daughters and very closely. I don't think they realize that they're not brothers and sisters. They're cousins. Special role, special relationship. Jesus was the younger cousin of John. He went out preaching a message of repentance. He's known for his uh, coat of animal skins, his eccentric diet, and his harsh words of calling people to repent. But the hard days or the days of uh, repentance were at hand. But his message was also one of uh, preparing the way, of making straight the highway. And he was very clear that there was another one coming and that that was one that he was not even fit to uh, tie his shoes or untie his shoes. That person that John speaks of was Jesus, his cousin. Uh, and perhaps even one who was um, in the desert with John at some point uh, in a collective there of study and reflection uh, that 
resulted in their prophetic voices. This past gospel, Sunday's gospel, tells the story about this cousin out in the desert calling people to this message of repentance. Turn away from sin. John is baptizing with water, but he announces that another is coming who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. The Messiah, the one long expected. John's clear about being the lesser of the two. He's not worthy to even untie the shoes of that person. A friend of mine, longtime preacher and biblical scholar, teacher, Tom Blair, says he's come to believe that the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are not history books. They're not a blow-by-blow -blow account of a factual record of what happened 2,000 years ago. They're more a recording, a reflection, a, a compilation of recollections. What Jesus came to reveal to his people. Words about what Jesus intended people to hear. Jesus comes to the water, to the place where John is preaching. I've been there. It's not a very big river. It's called the Jordan River, but it's really a stream. Not very wide and literally across the water. I mean, 50 yards is a, a military installation run by the Jordanians to protect Israelites, I guess, from coming in uh, or from Jordanians trying to leave. But the realities of that environment are right there in that pond of water. Small stream, not very wide. Pilgrims from all over the world come to that spot. Some of them to be baptized for the first time. Others of us to reaffirm our baptisms. It's an emotional opportunity if you get a chance to travel to the Holy Land. I would recommend it, and part of the trip will be a bus ride to this place and a chance to join others in putting your feet and your whole body into that section of the river. We don't know if that's the place where John baptized others, but it's likely it's been researched. They've attempted to, to find out exactly where it is. But it doesn't make any difference. It's the same water. It's the place where John baptized people and preached to them about the need to repent and to wait for the one who was yet to come. So he baptizes Jesus. A lot of scholars wonder, you know, raise the question, if Jesus were the Son of God, he is the Son of God, why did he need repentance? He should be without sin. That's not the way Jesus operated as I see it. He operated as one who was fully human, fully a part of the community that he was in. We know he was a carpenter for a period of time. He's come to a place where he now is moving from being a carpenter, earning a living that way, to becoming a, an itinerant, prophetic teacher. He will come into the baptism and as he comes out of that, he will immediately go into retreat. 
he started gathering people around him, people like Matthew and others who become apostles, Peter, tax collector, fisherman. John will later ask from prison where he's been caught up if Jesus is the one. Are you the one we should wait for or should we be looking for someone else? Jesus will answer with descriptions, not a straight word, but a description. Look what's happening. The deaf hear, the blind see, the hungry are fed, those poor in spirit, they hear the good news preached to them. When Jesus came up out of that water, he heard a voice. It said, you are my son, my beloved. With you I am pleased. Scriptures, the Gospels at this point, don't highlight the idea that anyone else heard it. They don't say that like other times when it's, other people are there, like the Mount Transfiguration. At the baptism, there's no one else acknowledging that they hear that voice. They hear thunder, maybe. But Jesus heard it, and Jesus felt blessed by it, sufficient enough that he goes into the desert to reflect on it and comes out ready to become the prophetic voice that he is going to become. He'll ask Peter to push his boat out into the water so that he can teach the people. He'll go to Peter's house and heal his mother-in-law. And so life begins. For three years, this ragtag group of apostles will follow Jesus and learn from him, listen to him, tell stories about him, see him operating, and know who he is finally. They will identify him as the one long expected, the messianic figure. Son of Mary and Joseph, a carpenter, now a prophet, 2,000 years ago, wading into the River Jordan, hearing the voice of God, beginning his time in ministry. Where's he going to go from here? Palm Sunday, procession, to court. Sanhedrin to a cross, a horrible death, and to a new definition of how God will operate, is operating in this world. So tonight now comes the question, who are you? How would you introduce yourself? And how did you come to join us? Whose shoulders are you standing on that brings you to this place? How are you connected to those in your past? Your cousins, your, your brothers and sisters, fellow parishioners, other people? What is there about worship here at Richmond Hill that calls you and me to this moment? And finally, where are we going from here? The world, at one time, was looking for a Messiah. John came bringing an announcement about that Jesus came to baptism and to his own ordination. 
we come to this moment in a world that is filled with chaos. COVID reasserting itself, potentially killing over a million people yet ahead. Schools out of control, not sure what to do next. Health decisions being politicized. A nation divided, grieving an insurrection as we heard many times last week that threatens the future of our democracy. All of that that obscures today's headlines. 800 families in Richmond are facing eviction. 1,200 more families projected to receive an eviction letter in the next month. Money available for them, but no process that can seem to work that would remedy that situation. Can you imagine what it's going to be like a month from now if 800 people plus, I mean, that's 800 families. That's well over 2,000 people or more out on the streets in the dead of winter. Is that something we can live with? Is that something we're being called to at least raise questions about and to do something about trying to remedy that situation? We're in the midst of a global food shortage. We know that. The food resources are available, but we don't have a system to get food to people. And we know that a million children will die this winter in Afghanistan because there are no resources able to be delivered. The money is there. The process is lacking. Recently, I mean, as much as was announced in today's paper, the leadership of the army that has taken over Kazakhstan ordered troops to fire on their fellow citizens with the order to shoot to kill. That's what happens when desperate people try to take some of the resources that the power broker, the government, people with wealth and intention to protect that wealth have. Will we come to that point? Shoot to kill, to protect our property, to protect food for our children? Those are hard questions that we have to answer or may have to answer. When Jesus came to the Jordan River, there was chaos all around. People were desperate for relief. They were overtaxed. They could be called into servitude at any moment. There was no regard for women or children as having any standing or value in that society. Jesus brings a whole different viewpoint to that moment. He pointed to what was happening around him as he 
went out into the countryside and talked about what was yet to come. He pointed to what was happening then and what needs to continue happening now. The hungry were being fed and we have hungry people around us that need that same opportunity. The sick were being cured. We have sick people around us and we have a way to prevent additional sickness that we need to attend to. The blind see, the deaf hear. We need to hear the good news. Good news about a caring God who blesses His Son, who extends the same blessing to us. Who are you? Child of God. How'd you get to this place? We're called through our own baptism, through our own relationships, through the history of this place, Richmond Hill, and what it's done in the past, to reach out to others and to answer that chaos, to do God's work. That's what tonight's all about. Who are you, child of God? How'd you get here? You heard about us, or you came and were a part of us. We miss you, and we want you to stay close and come back. Where are you going? It's hard to tell. There's work to be done, and God depends on us <laughs> to do that work. So bless you. Thanks for being here. In thy name we pray. Amen. Peace of God that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.